This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning 2 with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. Welcome, everybody, to Turning 2 with Booney, post-All-Star Game Edition. I'm the executive producer of the Boom Podcast. I'm joined right now by the 2023 Celebrity Softball MVP, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Brett Boone. Hey, buddy. Hi, Rich. How you doing? Yeah. You, it's, you, didn't, uh, you didn't dig the introduction? It's tough being the MVP. Where's the belt? That was a little goofy. It's all right. I'm sorry. Right. All right, this is it. Uh, all right, for those of you watching now, by the way, I'll just remind popular. everybody. I'll remind everybody we are now available on YouTube. Look under Odyssey Sports. You can find the show on YouTube, and there'll be clips. And I hope this is one of the clips that Mike wants to put out. Ladies and gentlemen, the MVP with the strap, Brett Boone. Very cool. Very cool. How okay. heavy is that but- belt? No, no, I need you to put it on your wear it on your shoulder for the podcast. No. Like 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 done. like like Triple H walks around with it. The belt is very cool. I agree with you. How heavy is it? That belt's wearing me out. Just like the All-Star game by the end. Eh, five pounds. Yeah, it's a it's but a it was, it was like having a strap. puppy dragging that thing around. And people Yeah, people loved it, but uh I, I think it's been played enough now. I think no, not nearly enough. <laughs> the belt's awesome. I'm gonna, I I'm want gonna you... keep it. I I love it. I'm gonna display it. I'll be proud of it. But uh, can we put it on? Can we put it up it, behind it's ran, you next it's, year? Gold it's Bluff? ran its course. It's no. ran its course. I, I want it up there well, next year, Silver Sluggers. Well, let me let me. I'll make that decision. <laughs> Folks, I haven't decided yet. He called. Brett calls me Tuesday. Hey. Should I bring the belt with me? Heck yeah, you should bring the belt with me. I don't know if I want to bring the belt with me. Brett, the belt was a hit amongst everybody. It was a hit. They, the fans loved it. They, uh, yeah, everybody, want, you know, we were getting people getting in line for pictures because that a lot of the events were pictures. Right. And uh, then I, you know, I kind of coaxed them in. I said, you want to rock the belt? And not one person said no. They all no. wanted to wear the belt so no it's cool uh, it's cool it was fun a lot of fun this ju- weekend we had our junior producer uh brett richardson who held the belt during the podcast and he thought it was the coolest thing in the whole wide world yeah it's 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 the new thing but it's heavy you know, we didn't have 
Yeah, it's like a legitimate belt. It's a legitimate belt. So, all right, uh, three takeaways from Seattle in the All-Star Game, which I think you can call either the 2023 All-Star Game or the Brett Boone um, Invitational because you were everywhere. No, it was fun. It was, um, you know, and I've, I've done a lot of shows and we've talked about going back to Seattle and, and it's been the same theme. It, when we play this game, uh, when we're in our career, in our heyday, um, it's it's tough to, to stop and really appreciate what you have. And times like this, seeing, uh, experiencing an all-star game from, from 54-year-old lenses now, it's different than when I was 28, 29, 30 years old. And as players, as much as you enjoy it and you appreciate getting the all-star nod, it really is a time in the season where the grind's only halfway. And yes, it's an honor to get to the all-star game, but you get there and you do, you know, everybody wants a piece of you and you play the game and you get through that and you, and you fly home and you're just looking for a little bit of a break to get ready for the second half of the season. All-stars just kind of, you know, I'm not going to complain about it because it's always great when you make the team, but the, it's different as a current player for, for someone like me coming in. Uh, it, I, I use the word humbling, but I, but I think it's kind of, that's kind of appropriate. I mean, it puts into perspective how blessed we are as players to get to do what we do for a living because and, and it take I think it takes being away from the game for a while for it really to hit home. But I, I was just the last day, Rich, I was we were going to an appearance and, and uh, I'm riding in the car with Raleigh Fingers. And we were teasing because they because the current all stars had a red carpet that day at 11 o'clock. And I was teasing him. I said, Raleigh, what if they had the red carpet back in your day? I said, you. Pete Rose, the bird Fidrich, all in their sands of belts, walking down the red carpet. And he, thought, <laughs> he got the biggest kick out of that. He goes, Booty, he said that would have been so funny. But it's stuff like that, just riding over with Raleigh Fingers, talking to players of my generation. I, I got to catch up with the, the 01 team and the All-Stars. We had eight that year. Uh, I got to see my old skipper, Lou Pinella. Um, and, and, you know, we went down right before the game because we got announced before the game in Seattle, that 01 All-Star team. So they took us, you know, they kind of put us off in a room and then they took us down to the clubhouse and we saw some of the players going back and forth and everybody's saying, hey, what's up? And then they kind of put us back in an equipment room for about 20 minutes before we we're announced. And it was kind of like the old days. There was Freddie Garcia and, and Jeff Nelson and Kazuhiro Sasaki, who flew in from Japan. Bone was there. Junior popped in. Edgar was there. And me and Lou were just sitting on the couch and I was playing the role that I played 20 years ago. I'd get Lou going and ask him a question and I'd wind him up and he'd start telling stories. And Johnny Olerud was there and, and we're just listening to it and thinking, how cool is this? You know, we get to sit here and relive it. It's only for 20 minutes or a half hour, but it was pretty special. And seeing those guys that I hadn't seen in a while and, and Seattle doing a great job. They did a great job with the whole, with the whole, with the whole package from, from start to finish from Griffey's uh, swingman tournament on Thursday through the softball game, through the, uh, through the home run derby and the all-star game. I think Seattle really turned it out. They turned Lumen field Seahawks uh, Seahawks facility into kind of a second facility for us, where we did a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, appearances, appearances and autographs. Kind of well, let me, yeah, let, let me, let me break this down. Let me break this down. Let's start with the celebrity softball game. 
you walked out and we talked about it. Like, what are these guys going to do? How is this game going to be? Um, the crowd was huge because it came right after the Futures game. Well, I wonder, big, yeah, b- bigger than I thought it was going to be. Right, because normally they would have it after the home run derby, and a lot of people would leave because they'd go to a party after the the derby. Uh, this one was prime time, and you were you were right there. It was on Peacock, and then it was uh, reshown on ESPN. What did you think about it going in? Tell me about uh, being involved in it, getting a chance to meet the other players. Jenny Finch, I think uh, Ryan Howard was in it. Uh, Mike Cameron was in it. So give me the whole lowdown of going through and participating in the game, showing up and meeting all these people you never met before. And that's what I'm talking about. It was you go into these things like, okay, it's something we have to do. And I, and I summed it up right before I went up to hit for my first time, they, they interviewed me on the field they said, what do you think, Brett? I said, I think it sounded like a good idea two months ago, but now that I'm here, (laughs) I know these fans expect me to hit a home run and I don't know if I'm going to come through for them. So that's exactly what I was feeling. Um, rewind it a little bit. We started off over at Lumen Field. I got to meet all the guys and there's YouTubers and there's singer songwriters and and there's influencers. And then we had some a football, a couple football players, a couple basketball players. You mentioned Ryan Howard. Adam Jones was there. Uh, Felix Hernandez was there. And and my buddy Cammy, he was there. Um, and I didn't know what to Mike Cameron. I, yeah, I, I kind of knew you know, athletically what I was going to get from the athletes. I, I knew that they could roll out their young men and, and they were going to be fine. But I'm thinking, what are these, you know, these YouTubers and these influencers? I knew Jenny Finch was going to be good, but I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, these guys could hit. And the basketball players. Being a, oh, he, he was raking. Zach Devine, he was raking. And yeah. Uh, we're going to have him on the podcast, by the way. Right. But but that was fun to watch, and um, I just didn't expect him to be that good. So it ended up being a real entertaining. And, and the next couple of days, Rich, walking around, you know, amongst the fans, I heard that a lot. Like, you know, we went to the Celebrity All-Star. Yeah, it was going to be fun to see some of our favorites, but we didn't know how it was going to be. And they said, we were pleasantly surprised. That was entertaining. And I, I thought that as a player on the field, I thought, this is way better entertainment than I thought it was going to be. It was a lot of fun. Um, the home run first time up, right? You pitched and you gave up seven runs. Oh, I got lit up. Yeah. I hit yeah. the homer. Well, I started at second base. I think I went to first, then I pitched, then I caught. Right. Uh, who, who was making those calls where you were going to play? Did y'all get together? Oh, I don't know. No, they were. Somebody was telling you, who somebody was, the captain? was just telling me, I said, where, where am I playing? And they had it all worked out. Okay. Uh, but we had to check every inning because there were too many players for the position. So right. um, I just, you know, I, I said, keep me on the right side of the infield because I didn't want to have to make a long throw. Right. So as long as they kept Because you're right wearing game, the old man. You're wearing I, the old I had man. The, yeah, I don't know what the sleeve people were giving me crap about wearing Oh, sleeve, somebody had I, a great tweet. But I have, I, I have the, the – uh, I have so much tendonitis in my right elbow. Right, it's but like somebody sent out a great tweet. Now I know uh, it was like uh, for Tommy Copperfit or something like that. Oh, now I actually know what it's for. Yeah, Copperfit. Copperfit. One. Yeah. Uh, Jenny yeah. Finch, pretty cool. Jenny Finch is great. I think, you know, she's obviously a great softball player, but she's kind of taken the – the. Uh, she's kind of the ambassador for the, for women's softball. And she has been that for a long time, great player in her day. Now she goes around and, and, and she does a lot of these events. 
She's a great draw. People like her. Um, and she was fun. It, I, I don't think she wanted me to take her deep, though. <laughs> no. The first, she, I the know first her. I, I've known game. her since she was 18. She's competitive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jenny's just Cammy. dying to wind up and, 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 and pitch like she normally could pitch. Cammy was great. He hit a homer. He got no, robbed but, of but a home she, run. Didn't she strike him and out then, before? Uh, you know, Adam Jones came in and he, and he was throwing hard. I didn't like that. No, no, but she struck out Tammy. I wouldn't face her. Jenny didn't. Did, what? Didn't she strike out Cammy before? I think she might have because she used to go around. Uh, right back in the day, she used to go around to our our camps when she was and hosted this week. I in remember baseball. she came. Yeah, she came to Mariners camp and and. Um, I wouldn't get in the box. I said, I have nothing to gain no. here. Jenny's going to embarrass no. me. So I watched, and I think you're right. I think Cammy was the guy that jumped in. He was the our sacrificial lamb that spring. Because she had struck out. I think she struck out Barry Bonds that that uh, spring as well. Yeah, she struck out Pujols. She struck right. them all out. And after that, nobody wanted to jump in there and do it. Um, right. So did you know a whole of the, the celebrities that you were playing with? The one I that I know wanted to know. Uh, Jojo, Jojo Siwa, Siwa, and the Siwa, the Siwa. Yeah, the girls, my stepgirls wanted me to. They said, right. "Brett, you got to get a picture with Jojo." So sure enough, I got in the elevator. I got a picture with. Her. I said, "Jojo, I usually don't ask people for this, but can I get a picture with you?" And she said, "Anything you want." I said, "My girls will love it." And uh, I got the picture, and uh, you know, I sent it back to the girls and all their friends and. And they were like, no way, you're playing with JoJo Siwa. So that that's that was the cool part. And she was great, and she was a good sport and, and had fun with it. Do you, you realize she, in 2020, just three years ago, she was included in Time Magazine's annual list of the 100 most influential people in the world. And she's yeah. hanging out with Brett Boone. And I checked it out. She's got 11 million uh, um, followers followers on instagram so yeah she must be a hit for this young generation but she was a lot of fun she was a lot of fun would you play in the softball game again kind of have to huh kinda i kind of think this this could be your event you could be like you could be MVP, like the, you kind of have to go back now we'll right. see i'm kidding i'm kidding we'll we'll baseball, see baseball we I'm, need to see him in texas next year i was sore i was sore after that a lot of fun though a lot of fun moving right. on home run derby Pretty amazing. You and I got a chance to watch it from the uh, the dugout on the uh, American League side. I think every I think it was everything cracked up, it, and it was funny because I I called Vladimir Guerrero. Not that I knew he All was going to win. I just thought I just thought Vladdy, you know, it's his time. He's not in Toronto. It's not the home home crowd. I know how tough it is with the home crowd, and you want to do it for him so bad. It probably wasn't going to happen for Julio, but I thought uh, Julio will put on a great show for the crowd, and Vladimir will win it, and that's what I thought. Now, I wouldn't have put a nickel on it in Vegas. I, I had no idea, but it just ended up working out that way. It made me look like a genius. But they got everything they wanted. Julio, the crowd favorite, obviously. He got announced. They blew the roof off. He hit 41 home runs in the first round. I think that's an all-time record. In the end, Vladimir ended up winning it. Um, and 
the fans came and the fans got what, you know, they got a good show. And that's what the, the home run derby's become a show. You know, the dunk, the dunk contest in basketball, it's, la- it's lost its luster a little bit. I, I think from a Pro Bowl standpoint, they don't have anything that really competes with the home run derby. And, and I think with these current rules, uh, I think it's entertaining. I think the fans like it. I think it's a good formula. Uh, and you and I got a chance uh, to hang out. You got a chance to uh, meet some veterans before yes. the game, and you were introduced yep. on the field with them. Brett, I mm-hmm. thought that was really nice. That was really cool. That was really cool. Once again, getting, you know, kind of packing it all in for uh, that, that, you know, coming home party. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a nice touch. It was nice to uh, have them recognized and, and I got recognized on the field with them. It was just for a brief moment. We snuck it in, but I, I, I thought that was a really good tribute to, to those guys. We also got to hang out with Dusty Baker a little bit. Dusty we popped in, saw him, uh, talked to Simeon a little bit, met Garrett Cole, never met, met Garrett Cole. You know, I watch him all the time when I'm keeping, keeping my eye on the Yankees, but, uh, he came up, had a nice conversation and uh, a few other guys. I saw Poppy. I gave him a hard time. I said, we need you on the podcast. He said, Booney, I'm in. So Poppy will be coming on. Um, we saw Eduardo Perez, who's been on the show. Uh, Eduardo, you know, I talked to Tim Kirchin for a while. I love talking to him. I talked to Rosenthal. I said, I like your, like your choice for the bow tie for, for the All-Star game. Got to see Harry, Harold Reynolds, uh, longtime MLB ESPN guy. And, and uh, my team. And we saw Amsinger. Yeah. Another one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Greg right. Amsinger, the, the head guy. And I looked at him. He put on a great show. You know, I, I when that's I hard there, to do. I, I didn't notice things like that. But now on this side of the microphone, I, I watch for things like this. Greg did a really good job because he I mean, he had to be on for hours on end. And and he did. And I looked at him. I said, how how are you feeling? And he goes, wow, this is long. But he, he did a really <laughs> nice job. Uh, the All-Star game itself. Pretty special. Uh, they introduced you and your teammates from 2001. Really cool. Plus, plus the yeah. highlight was the highlight was Lou. Uh, the highlight was Lou. They capped it off with the kind of the two pillars of the Seattle Mariners: Edgar Martinez and and Ken Griffey throwing out the first pitch. Uh, but the highlight for for me and I think a lot of my teammates, including Kenny, uh, was was Skip coming back and Lou coming on the field and be, and, and being uh, showcased with the with the rest of us. I know it was a, hi- a big highlight of the weekend for me and and I think for a lot of people. So all in all, uh, exhausting trip. We got some podcasts in. We had a ton of meet and greets. We got the belt. Uh, we had a great performance. Seattle did put on a great, great show. National League finally won a game. And, wait, wait, go uh, back. Hold on a second. Stop. I, I enjoyed it, but it, it, Rich, I'll tell you this. When I got home, I was glad I was home. Let's go back to Seattle for just a minute. The fans of Seattle showed up. Uh, Katie Griggs, the president of the Mariners, hats off to the Mariners for putting on, I think, one of the best all-star games I've seen in a long time. The 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 town, the facility, uh, T-Bubble Park was electric. Lumen Field was taken over Play Ball Park, but just the entire city. So I want to I do want to mention uh, Katie and the Mariners because I thought they were outstanding. And and just talk to me real quick about the Seattle baseball fans who we saw at their best. Yeah, Seattle fans are they're not known nationally. You know, when you think about baseball, you think about Philly, you think about New York, you think about Boston, Wrigley Field. You don't think Seattle, but I lived it and in the early 2000s. And I tell players this all the time. You had to be there but I've never seen a city 
like like the city of Seattle in the early 2000s. I mean, it was a rock concert every night. Uh, I tell everybody I kid all the time. I said I felt like a beetle every time I took the, the field. It could be a Monday night, could be the last place team, and there was going to be 47,000 people there, and it was going to be electric, like it was the Super Bowl every single night, and that was because of those fans. Uh, it lasted for a few years, and 2002 was the same way, 2003, uh, 04. 05, it started to die down a little bit. We were kind of getting older and we weren't winning. Um, but I tell the current players all the time and the people that haven't, they're starting to come back a little bit in the last couple of years. Seattle's starting to add a little excitement, some, some players to their their roster. And, and they got to the postseason last year for the first time in a long time. But I tell the players, I said, if you win here, if you show them that you're a, a quality product that's going to win, these fans will come out and support you, and they'll do it in droves. I think the Seahawks have seen that through the years, uh, the support they have for them. And uh, if you start being a consistent <clears throat> winning team, that city, that city turns out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Best flex of the weekend, though. Shohei Otani comes up in the All-Star game. And the fans start chanting, right? Right. I think, um, come to Seattle. Very cool. I I mean, I I thought about for a second, I thought, imagine being Shohei right now. How cool that must feel. You know, and he's going to have that choice. He's going to have the, the, I think there's going to be eight or nine teams lining up for Otani and, and, you know, I've said this a lot. Money's not going to be the issue. It's the money. Stop be there. for a second. Explain this to to the Boone podcast. What do you mean, money's not going to be an issue? Brett, I, I don't want to make as much as I can. Correct, but it's not going to be where he's going to be getting, uh, you know, a fifty million dollar offer from one team and a seventy five million dollar from offer. It's going to be everybody's going to be at six hundred million and above, in into the basically the zone where. Uh, uh, 10 million here and 10 million there is not going to make a difference when you get to that level. But I think something that's not talked about when they talk about Shohei Otani, of course, uh, he wants to win a World Series. We all do. Um, But there's more there's more variables that go into this decision for him. And, And the simplest ones are, where do you like to hit? 
as a hitter, if I know I'm going to go somewhere for the next 10 years, yeah, the money's going to be there. But let's just say the money's all similar. You're going to go where you think you have a chance to win, where you want to raise your family, and really not talked about a lot. Do you feel comfortable when you go to that ballpark? Of course. Obviously, he's comfortable in Anaheim. He sees the ball well. He he likes the mound there. He pitches well there. So he's very comfortable in Anaheim. I mean, it's not too it doesn't sound too bad living in Newport Beach for the next 10 years playing for the Angels. One of the most beautiful atmospheres for me, my favorite ballpark to hit in. You know, I could be 0 for 15, Rich. And if we're going to Anaheim, it doesn't matter how my swing is. I know I'm gonna have a good series. Just a feeling I had us as players. We all have those ballparks that are just magical for us. When we we go there, it's like, all right, that's going to go into the formula when he decides where he wants to play. Now, is that an individual thing for you? So you might feel great in Anaheim, but Edgar didn't? Without a doubt. You know, I used to not like going to Kansas City. Camden Yards was known as a hitter's ballpark. The Baltimore Orioles didn't have a great rotation for my years in Seattle. But we're going to Baltimore, and I'm thinking, no, I don't like that ballpark, something about it. I don't see the ball well. I I don't have a ton of success there. Whereas the other players are like, oh, we're going to Baltimore. Let's get it going. So there is a difference. It's very individualistic when it comes to, you know, certain places, just the Coliseum. Uh, You know, everybody talks about the biggest dump in baseball right now. When we were going to Oakland, I was licking my chops because I knew, yeah, everybody, nobody likes the ballpark. It's not pretty, but I always get hits there. So I liked going to Oakland. Old Milwaukee, not the nicest stadium in the world, but I always got hits when I went to Old Milwaukee. Loved it. Loved Yankee Stadium. I loved Wrigley Field. Uh, Fenway Park, beautiful, iconic, but it didn't set up well for my my offensive skill set. So I had to find a way to get some hits in Boston. So, yeah, it's definitely an individual thing, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, if you talk to a handful of pitchers, they'll say, some reason in, in uh, New York, I just I didn't like that rubber, but in Philly, boy, was I at home in Philly. So it's, it's a preference. It's, a, it's an individual thing. Is it psychosomatic, or was it something physically about the way you set up and you looked at the hitters of the backdrop? For the golfers out there, it's like when you step and when you go to a golf course and it sets up really good to your eye. And for some reason, you can't explain it, but you love that course because you always play well there. And there's other courses that may be beautiful and the grass is perfect and the greens are always they're always uh, in great shape. And for some reason, it doesn't set up to your eye and you never put up a put up a good number. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just the way it is. I do it when I go to when I go to my favorite trip, my Pebble Beach trip. Pebble Beach is one of my favorite places in the world i love the golf course but i never put i never post a low score there ever but i go across the street to spyglass which is a much tougher course most people have a tough time playing it for some reason it sets up and when i step on the tee at spyglass no matter what i shot yesterday i know i've got a chance to to have a good round all right let's move on i'm gonna tell you something brett i think baseball is in a transition from the last generation of superstars, I think this new generation has announced themselves with authority when we watched this All-Star game. We saw uh, a Rosarena from Tampa Bay. We saw she- Shohei Otani. Uh, you see the big stars that we have that are young. They're babies, Brett. But they are stepping in to fill the, the shoes of the generation that came before them the same way 
the, that generation filled in the shoes for, for your generation. And I think we're seeing that transition. And these guys are just starting to take off, and it's now their game. Without a doubt. And and there's still Bryce Harper, still a a uh, a player to be reckoned with. He's coming back off that injury. He's still in his prime. Mike Trout's still in his prime. But you're right. For a lot of years, it was Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, kind of the old guard. And now the Clayton Kershaws, the Scherzers. Uh, but now you're seeing a, a a a bevy of talent. You're seeing a lot. You mentioned Acuna, uh, Juan Soto, Tatis. Um, Vladimir Bobachet, um, you know who who am I missing out? We we didn't get to see the kid from Cincinnati, La Ellie De La Cruz, who's right. taken Cincinnati by storm. That type of talent, uh, it just it is. It's the next generation. I think a lot, and and once again going back to Raleigh Fingers, uh, talking to him in that car. Not in a million years, not three years ago, could I say to Raleigh. Hey Raleigh, what do you what do you think about how the players behave today when they hit home runs? All oh, you know, they'd all get hit. The pl- the older players, especially, I'm knowing the the generation before me, they're not as fierce about how the kids are playing now. They're kind of that they just smile and say, you know, it's just the way it is now. But it's not that you know. Initially, it was back in my day, right? I'm 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 seeing a lot of people get away from that, and and to the point because it's. It does you no good. Now all of a sudden you're a grandpa and you're just angry about everything and your generation was the best. I like I like if guys have that opinion, instead of just saying my generation was the best or the way it used to be, give me a reason you could give me a give me something that can make the game better. Give me a smart argument instead of just going to the back in my day argument. I don't think that plays anymore. And I see the older players, you know, hanging out with Rock Reigns, you know, one of my favorite guys. I love Rock Reigns. You know, as a player, I used to look at him. That's a rock. But he just has a soft way. Hey, what do you think of these kids? Man, there's a lot of talent out there, Booney. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And and I think the old meshed with the new, uh, everybody on the same page and, and the older players embracing the new players instead of uh, brandishing them and the, and the, and the current players reaching out to the older players. And it's a great combination. And I saw it a lot this week. I didn't think it was cool. Cause when you and I on the field for the, for the home run derby, I saw current players walk up, recognize you and want to talk to you. Yeah. It's funny too. When you get older, you, you have to, because I remember people used to do it all the time. Ryan Sandberg would come up to me when he was retired. Hi, Ryan Sandberg. And I'd look at him and I go, Ryan, I, I know exactly who you are. I played against you and I, and I know who you are. But as we get older, we just we don't want to put anyone in an awkward position. <laughs> so we always announce our full name back back when we were playing. Everybody, we were the show. Everybody knew who Brett Boone was. Now I make sure when I go into a locker room with with young players, especially, I make sure I shake their hand and say, Brett Boone, good to meet you. Just so there's no awkwardness. And and the majority of that, Booney, we know I, I know who you are. I said that to Vladdy. And he laughed at me. I said, Vladdy, good luck in the home run derby. I passed him up in the hallway. And he said, I said, I, I had a lot of battles against your pops. And he goes, Booney, I know. And he looked at me like, well, you don't have to tell well, me that. But it's just, it's the respect the players right. before me gave to me. And I want to give it to them. And Rich, we had this conversation. Uh, I had a great time in Seattle. I'm on the field and they're letting me go anywhere I go. Like I'm a current player during the home run derby. But at the same time, I've got to respect their their space 
and and that clubhouse was my clubhouse one time well i was the captain of that clubhouse well it's not anymore that's not my clubhouse that's julio's clubhouse and and if as long as he lets me in i'll come in and shake hands and say hi to all the current guys but but there's a there's a way to do it um there's a way to be respectful doesn't matter what you did 15 years ago it's like that's then this is now be respectful give them their space but it's cool the way we can we can blend and have a good time at a at an exhibition like the all-star game um second half of the season we're gonna get going here uh today who has to have the best start to the second half of the season which team is desperate I know. Uh, well, the Mets are about as desperate as you can for a team that that had pretty high expectations coming out of spring training. Uh, I don't know if it, it's probably too late for them. Um, I look at the teams right on the bubble. You know, I look right. at the Seattle Mariners. While we're on topic, Seattle Mariners are six out in the division. They're four out in the wild card. Uh, I've said this a lot. I think three teams are going to come from the American League East this year. I think one in the Central. I know one in the central and probably yeah, have two, to in have one. two in the West. Who is it going to be? Well, Texas has come out of nowhere and really, I knew they were better, but I didn't know they were this much better. They've been leading the division since day one. They're two games up on Houston. I don't think Houston's going anywhere. No, I think at the end of the day, it's Houston, it's dusty at the helm and they can flat out pitch. And they always pitch. And I think right now, if we look it up, I haven't looked it up, but I'll guarantee you they're number one in the league pitching. Uh, and that's top to bottom. That's rotation and bullpen. Uh, so I think Houston's going to be there in the end. So I think it's going to be a tough lift for the Seattle Mariners, but they can do it. They're in a spot right now. They're, they're in that buyer-seller spot, you know, and a lot of teams are there. It's if you show us the Padres. You're gonna that's what I wanted to ask you about. You're going to have to show us this next two weeks. If I'm Padre management, if I'm Seattle Mariner management, you're going to have to show me the next two weeks. Why should I make a deal? Why should I be a buyer and not a seller at the trade deadline? And believe me, players know this. They're aware of it. They know coming out of the break. They know who they are when they're on the bubble. They know if they have a rough two weeks, they're sellers. If they have a good two weeks, they're buyers. And they know that. And and that's it's not spoken. It's not talked about that much. But it's a known thing in those clubhouses. I remember one year I was in Tampa Bay and there was a shortstop, Julio Lugo. And the trade deadline came and everybody's like, he's getting dealt. He's getting dealt. He's getting dealt. And the trade deadline came and it went. And he walked into the clubhouse. He passed all the media. He goes, ha ha, you guys don't know anything. I'm still here. Yeah. Five minutes hey. later, five minutes later, he comes out carrying a box and got traded within that five minutes. And he's like, ah, oh, I guess you guys were right. And he yeah, came by, it, shook everybody's hand. How stressful is it in those clubhouses where you don't know whether you're buyers or sellers? What's well, tough for management? You know, they got to make that call. And when do they make that call? Like I said, if you're on the bubble right now, those managers are on hyper alert. They're watching these next two weeks. They're watching every move everybody makes because, you know, and I'll guarantee after some nights you win two or three in a row, you're going home thinking, who who do we want? And then all right. of a sudden you lose to, ah, who we get, who, who we going to trade, who we not going to trade. Am I going to get traded? Right. right. So it's, uh, you know, for those teams that are obvious that are going to be buyers, they've already set themselves up to be buyers. And then there's those teams that are already set up to be sellers. They know right. that. But there's that 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 group in the middle that I don't know. You know, what are the Phillies going to do? Phillies are kind of floating. They're in and out of that wild card spot. Um, you're going to be a buyer, you're going to sell it. Well, 
the players are going to dictate by the way they play the first two weeks leading up to that all-star break. It's a great, it's a great time. It's a great challenge for players to think we play our butt off here. Ownership goes out and gets us pieces. We need that invigorates that breathes life into that clubhouse. Like you'll never believe the teams I've played on where they go out at the break and they make a move. Even if the even if the move isn't the greatest in the world, the psychological change when you know the guys upstairs got your back. Because I've also been on teams where they didn't make a move, and it seems like it's us against the world. We're just going to do it in this clubhouse with what we got. So it, it, there's definitely a psychological edge to it. Um, but it but it's it's why this time of year is great, and why these next three weeks are going to be really great, and everybody's going to be watching very closely. How would you like to be a general manager right now? I'd love it. Because here's here's something you know Tracy Ringlesby, the Hall of Fame writer uh, yes. at, uh, in Colorado, wears the cowboy hat, the big Wyoming cowboy fan. Yeah, Tracy pointed this out to me years ago, and I think it's brilliant that the best trades are the ones that you make early. Because if I'm the first one to pull the trigger right now before I get to the trade deadline, I'm going to get Brett Boone for an extra two weeks. I'm going to improve my team immediately. Right, and that also sends a message to your players. We believe in you. Right. We believe that you're. we're going to be buyers. So That this says is, it right then. This is my most intriguing time because I want to see what kind of poker player uh, A.J. Preller is going to be. Is he going to go all in early? Is he going to make right. the trade and get the most back out? Is he going to wait to the last minute? It's kind of like going online trying to find a flight. Do I buy the – do I get the flight three weeks out or do I wait to the last minute to well, see I, if there's I, a I think – I think you bring up a good point with AJ Preller. Uh, for those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, he's the he's the uh, Padres general general, general yeah. manager, and they're in an interesting spot. Now here here we if if we go back three months ago, and we're sitting here we're getting ready for the season, and I look at that San Diego Padres team. You got Machado, you got Tatis coming back three weeks into the season. You've got Bogarts just signed a big deal, the Boston star. Um, you've got Soto. Right. You've got Nelson Cruz, who they just designated kind of as that clubhouse monitor, that veteran guy, been there, done that. I'm thinking, on paper, this is the best offensive team in baseball. Now, I look at that pitching staff, and I got you, Darvish, and I've got Musgrove, but he's 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 been banged up a little bit. And I've got Waka coming over from the St. Louis Cardinals, a good pitcher. Waka's been a Cy Young candidate this year, which they didn't expect. Darvish has been kind of Darvish. Blake Snell. Snell's the guy that's coming on. Blake Snell right. has been, I think, pitcher of the month. If Blake Snell is Blake Snell, I think the Padres have the best pitching in that division. If 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 you're getting the Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay years, because he's got number one stuff. He's Randy Johnson when he's got his good stuff, and he's had when? that lately. When? What do you mean? When he has his good stuff. When he when has he's his good consistent. stuff, I yeah. look at I, I look at him and I say. There's no reason that guy should ever struggle with that stuff. Even on right. an off day, that stuff shouldn't struggle. Well, right now, he's got it working. So that's a pretty formidable. I think they're number two in the league in pitching. They're number um, 14, 14 in offense. 14 for that club. Now, my history will tell you uh, my experience in the game. At the end of the year, great players usually they have down years, they have up years, they have average years, but usually their numbers are going to show up at the end of the year. What you expected they'd kind of be. Right. I I cannot see a second half the Padres 
being the 14th best offensive team in the game. That's going to change. It's whether that pitch can hold up. That pitch can hold up. That division's vulnerable. Arizona's good. They're better than they were, but they're not. They're not Dodgers of uh, of 2018 good. And that 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 division, which been kind of the class of baseball, you got to watch out for the Giants in that division. As well, well, I was going to ask you. Giants so we just pitch. talked about we just talked about everything for our friends at 97.3 The Fan. Let's talk about the game in San Francisco where you go on all the time. What are you telling? What What are you talking about there? If you're for Hanzaidi, you came into the season with no expectations. You've exceeded. You got the fans excited with that really long winning streak that puts you in a position that you can make the playoffs. Does Farhan Zaidi need to be aggressive and go for it? I think without a doubt, especially if they're in that same position right now in three weeks, they're definitely buyers. That division is vulnerable this year with the Dodgers and, and the dominance they've showed in that division. I think they've won 11 divisions in a row. Kind of, kind of, kind of brave esque of the nineties, the Atlanta Braves of the nineties, they won 10 division titles. They won one world series similar to the, what the, uh, the Dodgers. What the Dodgers have done, they've won 11 straight years and they got one World Series. So that's been a dominant era for the Dodgers. But well, you went Dodgers on the other day. The Dodgers aren't what they were. You went They're on five seven. They're still good. Right. You went on 570 uh, LA the other day with uh, with Matt Money Smith and Petrus Papadakis. You talked about that with them. And I thought you laid it out really, really well that. It's not as easy. Everybody thinks, oh, look at the Astros. They won the World Series. Look at this team. They won the World Series. And we've had plenty of Atlanta Braves on, and they said, you know, hey, we won one. You won 116 and, and didn't win the World Series. We assume winning the World Series is an easy thing, and it should just be automatic. You put it out, the Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball, decades of dominance, but darn it, is it hard to get that final out. It's hard. You know, that Braves team, still to this day, you, you're going to have you, – it's debatable, but you're going to have a lot of guys on the Braves side of the ledger for the 1990s. There's a good argument that that maddox smoltz glavin rotation of the Braves is the greatest of all time, and they won one ring. And that's why the naysayers will say, no, they're not the greatest because they only won one ring. Whether that's true or false, that's just the way, it, the, the way history is going to remember it. That Dodger team a year ago. I don't care who won the World Series. Now, when you when you hoist that World Series trophy like Houston did, you have the right to say we are the best team in the world this year because you earned it. But if you're going to be honest and say who was the most talented team a year ago, CLA Dodgers, hands down. But an 89 an 89 win San Diego Padres comes in and whoops them in the second round and all of a sudden that 111 wins, way to go, great regular season. You're going home. I know exactly what that feels like. I know exactly what. And that's what makes baseball so great, Rich, is you never know. You never can tell. And it's completely we can sit here and break it down till we're blue in the face and we have knowledge and, and I, we have experience. But at the end of the day, we just don't know who's going to come through uh, when it's on the line. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. By the way, did you like that? I just plugged... Uh, 
Coach and Braden on uh, 97.3 The Fan in San Diego, which you go on all the time. We just plugged the game in San Francisco where you go all the time. And then uh, uh, Money and Petros on 570 LA. I just hit all the appearances that you had for the week from Seattle. Yeah. We, I did well, a lot. They, they, they come on. You go on the radio all over the country and plug the podcast. I thought I'd give the return favor to, to Petros and Money. Well, and that's why we—that's why we pay you the big bucks, Rich. You're my promo guy. I'm not a very right. good promo guy. So you, I'm, I'm you a hype man. You got to get them in when you can. By the way, let me just remind everybody: the podcast. We started the podcast during the. Whew, I'm trying to think. COVID. Uh, during the pandemic, right? Yeah. So we started it, and it was—it's been a labor of love. It's been a lot of fun, and it's blown it has blown up into something that we saw so many great fans in Seattle. So do you want to tell the clown story that I was uh, participating in when you were, when you were taking pictures at the big baseball? Remember you were at the big baseball taking pictures? Yeah. Yeah. Rich is kind of embarrassing me. The guys are coming through the line and he's like, you listen to the podcast. Now, a lot of the fans would come up to me and say, Booney, I'm listening to the podcast, which is cool. You're starting to hear that a lot, but then Rich is in the corner I can hear him whispering as I'm I'm smiling for the 2000th time. And there's Rich over there. Hey, you got to listen to the podcast. Really good podcast. So you were doing your job. You're the, you're the pitch guy. I'm the hype man. Yeah. That's why you should, can I get, can I get the belt for a week just to walk around with it? Sure. Sure. Oh, I, I would wear it to dinner. Oh, I know you would. I know, <laughs> I, I, and I wouldn't be at that dinner, but I would let you wear it. <laughs> but we did meet a lot of great people. Yeah. Enjoy the podcast. Listen to the podcast. A bunch of new people have just started listening to it. So for those of you that are brand new to the podcast, a couple of things we're going to ask of you. Uh, it's not in a paywall. We're not asking you to, to spend any money to listen. We do it. It's a labor of love for both of us. <coughs> people were telling me the reason they like the podcast is that you don't phone it in, that you do work. Actually, a couple of players walked up to me and said, you know, Richie, I like the podcast because Brett works as hard at the podcast as he did as a player. And it shows from all the podcasts out there. So there are a lot of people that appreciate the hard work that you put in, Brett. But I will tell everybody, uh, in order to make the podcast work and 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 grow it the way that we do and the people that love it, love it, uh, I need you to help us out a little bit. Leave us a rating wherever you get it. If you're getting it on the Odyssey app, if you're getting it on on um, uh, iHeart, if you're getting it oh, wherever you get it on, on Apple, Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and share it with your friends and help help grow this podcast to be even bigger than it is. Because it's amazing. Of all the players, former players we met, Brett, I was surprised on how many people listen to the podcast. Like, hey, don't tell Brett, but I listen to the podcast all the time. Well, they can learn from it. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> like how how my how... knowledge, my intel. Oh, I thought you were good. Listen up. Because somebody told me, hey. You're not that much of somebody actually walked up to me and said, Rich, I thought you're gonna be more of a fat ass from listening yeah. to the podcast than, yeah. than you really are. Yeah, you look good up there. I you tried lean lean and mean. I've tried listen by, by the time we get to Texas next year, I'll 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 drop another uh, X off my triple uh, X to double X to get down to extra large, and then we'll get going. Uh one last thing I want to bring up. I wanted to ask you this: Yankees make a uh, change on the on the coaching staff. Um, the mayor who we had on the show, Sean yeah. Casey, is uh, coming to be the hitting instructor for the New York Yankees. Um, I wanted to ask you, take me inside 
take me inside the batting cages with the hitting coach. So let's say you got a job as a hitting instructor. If you got a job like, like Sean, who, who's a friend of ours, we brought him on the show before. Um, if, if someone hired you as a hitting coach, Brett, how do you make a difference? Once again, I just go on my experience. One of the toughest jobs in the world is being a hitting coach because you get no love, you get no credit, right. and you get a lot of, lot of criticism. And I'm here to tell you, it's not the hitting coach, guys. Fans out there that say, fire the hitting coach. The hitting coach has little to nothing to do. Now, I've had a lot of hitting coaches from, and I'm going to talk back in the day, 1990, I go to my first team in A-ball. From A-ball through my last year in the big leagues, I had a, a plethora of hitting coaches. A lot of hitting guys with knowledge and intel and tips. And count on one hand the guys I could listen to and resonated with me. It's not easy. You know, hitting, hitting is tough. I'll, I'll talk about hitting, how I teach young kids. The physical is tough for me. I know exactly how to hit. But the skill is being able to show you physically how to do, to get it from my head to your head and you understand it and know what I'm saying. That's tough for me. Now, you want to talk the mental side of hitting, how to prepare? Oh, I, I sit to, pull up a chair because I'll talk to you for hours about this. That's what I was really um, – that was my thing is – the, the preparation, how to hit from the mental side. Now, the physical side, I had certain guy. My dad could really help me. Uh, he knew my swing as, as good as anybody. Hal McCray was a guy that that really helped me in, in Cincinnati. And when I say really helped, Lee Elia was a guy that came to mind. He'd say the right thing at the right time, and it would resonate with me. And the mental side is so big in hitting. It's not the physical, oh, stay inside the ball and do this. No, it's getting into the frame of mind when you get in that batter's box. You're in the best place you can be mentally, feeling like I've got a chance. That's the goal. How The, the trick is, how do you get there? Because as hitting coach, we can do everything we can. We can come there early. We can work till we're blue in the face. We can get every, get you in a great frame of mind. You leave that batter's box, nothing's going on in your head. And as a hitting coach, I'm sitting in the dugout on a towel going, well, there's nothing I can do about what's going to happen right now. So Sean's in for a challenge, something different than he's done. He's been on MLB, does a really good job there. Now he's going to be in, the, you know, he's going to be in the, he's going to be on the hot stove in, in New York. You know, I, I, I have a brother that deals with that press every single Every day, day. right. But you got to want that as a, as a coach, as a manager. That's where I want to be. I want to be where the action is. I want to be where the so can, is okay. on. But it's so, not fair to say Sean Casey is going to come in and fix everybody. No. Right. He's going to be an addition, and it's going to be a process. But okay. I think it's a good hire. He's, he's a teammate of Aaron's. That's important. That's really important. A, a manager – that is happy with the staff underneath him, a guy that he, guy that he trusts that's got his back. That's an underrated thing for, for managers to have their guys in place. So you and I were sitting around, um, I think it was after the softball game. I think it was Saturday. Uh, you and I were sitting there, and um, a, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Lou Bernardi, who's uh, assistant coach at the United States Merchant Marine Academy baseball team, he and his cousin Danny came by and they hung out with us and, and were great. Um, you guys were talking hitting and you stood up and you started talking about, you know, staying inside. And I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic. It was really neat. 
watching uh, you and a couple baseball coaches break down hitting. But as a hitting instructor, how often do you do that? Like you were standing there showing me how you you can't give up on this, and, and I thought it was fascinating. But do you do that on a daily basis, or do you remind people where they load, or, or what exactly do you do? You got to know who your audience is. Depends who it is. You know, some of the stuff I talk technically and, and mentally and the thought process and thinking through and sitting on pitches, I've got to make sure that whoever I'm talking to is ready for that talk because everybody's not ready. You, you talk about a young player, he might not be ready for that advanced right. strategy talk from a big league, from a Manny Ramirez perspective when he's in low A ball. You might have to wait until double A. Okay, now he's ready for that. I did that with my son. You know, it's like, this is what I do, but it's too early. He's not ready for that. He he doesn't trust himself enough to incorporate these advanced moves that we do as we get along in our big league career. So you got to know your audience, first of all. It, it, Rich, it, baseball comes down to it's no different than any other thing in life, No other no, any other job. It's dealing with people. It's having people skills. It's no when, when to give a certain guy this much knowledge, when to give another guy that much knowledge in a different way because you have to take the individual uh where the individual is at in in his in his uh journey and you've got to give him information that will help that individual not the masses you can't just come in and say this is the way i did it so everybody can do it right that's not going to help a team i might have to take one tactic with one guy and a completely different tactic with another to get the same result. It's not one size fits all. And especially in the big leagues, there's egos. Yeah, there's egos. There's egos everywhere in the world. But there's also skill sets. There's also uh, communication. Some guys, some guys are, are, are as sure as you could possibly be when they take the field, as confident, real confidence. Some guys are a little more timid, like, I've got the skill set, but I'm not as so. How do you deal with them? You got to deal with them separately, and it's kit gloves. But it's uh, the great ones have that way to massage each individual to get the same result. Joe Madden, who we've had on the podcast before, used to tell me that uh, if I was going to go have a conversation with this player, I know I better get my point across in 45 seconds because that's all we're going to talk. And this right. player is going to sit in my office people. for 45 right. minutes. It's people skills. Yeah. And it's no different than ever other other things in life. It just happens to be big league baseball. All right, real quick, what's Boone watching? Oh, Boone was watching. You got a new show. Uh back to Jack Ryan. Season. Oh, four. oh, 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 it episode. started. I missed it because yeah. I was on the road. We're only on episode two. Uh me and Chris just started watching it. Uh before we went to the all-star game. We're going to get back on track. We'll try to get back on track tonight and finish episode two, season four. The first three seasons are tremendous. You know, right. at first I didn't it, like every show I watch. I didn't know if I was going to like it. They're always a quality product. So uh, I'm on episode two. I'll keep you. I, I'll probably have two or three under my belt by next week's turn into a bro. What's, what did you have? The old man was the week. Before. Oh, I haven't, I haven't started watching that yet. The old man's good. The old man is really good. That's on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, The Old Man. And The Old Man, uh, here's, here's uh, I shouldn't even give that out. The Old Man isn't who you think he is. I'll leave it at that. You'll know what I'm saying when you watch the whole thing. All right, real quick, before we get out of here. Boone approved this week. I'm wearing my Oakland A's All-Star Game hat. Okay. I got a bunch of, I went and got the gear, got a jersey uh, for my son. 
Uh, brought my wife back a T-shirt. I got a, a quarter zip and a hoodie. I thought the gear was outstanding this year for the All-Star Game. Sometimes they push it a little bit. I wanted to get Brett Boone's approval on this year's All-Star Game gear. I'm not a gear guy. You're not a gear guy? I'm not no, no, I mean guy. the unis, the hats, the the this, this mint-colored hat. You wouldn't think... That I'd be a. Are, are we talking the players or the players? The fan? Not 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 the fan gear. Listen, you never thought. You know me, and you know what I like. I never thought in a million years I'd like black pants on a big league player. It looks softbally, unbig liggy. Right. But I like them for some reason. They've been breaking them out even before the All Star game. I like them. I don't like the uniform American National. We used to wear those American League tops for batting practice for the home run derby, maybe. But we always break out our tops for the game. I I think they should go back to that. I I think they will go back from that because not that that's the most important thing. But I heard a lot of fans talking about yeah. going. I wish they'd wear you know my Boston guy. I wish they had that that Red Sox uniform. I like it with a Yankee pinstripe. Yeah. Red Sox uniform next I think to each so other. too, but, I, but I'm going to give a thumbs up on those black pants. I don't know why I've, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting old, but I'm getting younger now. I'm starting to like stuff. Well, five you years ago, Joe Josia, no, the, uh, the YouTube star. I thought the black pants were cool. I approve them, but I think they should bring back the, the individual jerseys. Okay, so uh, by the way, I'm just going to tell you, I want JoJo on the podcast, and I want that YouTube guy, the, the YouTuber yeah. that played on your team. Mm-hmm. He's the guy I think who does the glitter bomb YouTube. He's like a he's a NASA he, engineer. Yeah, he was hitting bombs too. Bro. Right, but you know you know porch pirates, right? Like you buy something from yeah. Amazon and come somebody comes and steals it. He's done a series of videos where he put glitter bombs with stink bombs in them and and, and cameras so we can record it. And people go take the glitter bomb, put it in their car, and all of a sudden he can hit a remote control. Blow the glitter bomb up inside your house, your car, wherever. And it's the finest glitter that you'll never get rid of. And it has a skunk-like smell and a video camera so we can see the whole thing. So he's, uh, yeah, I like it. Oh, we got to get him on. Exposing the thieves. Exactly. All right. All right, Rich. That's going to do it for this week's uh, Turning Two with Booney. Thank you very much, Mr. Boone. You got it. Make sure you you check. Appreciate you having me on. Give me a rest. I, I, you know what? I, I try uh, to I'll, be, for I'll yeah. be back in the big chair on Monday. I'll be looking for the uh, delivery from FedEx bringing me my belt. You got it. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch up with you next week. Turn it to a booty.